the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. Welcome to a brand new week. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your questions, Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, anything that's on your heart. All you have to do is provide the phone call, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, thank you for tuning in. I have so much to talk about. First, my voice. You can tell it's bad. It's it's, it's usually a little tired uh, on on Mondays after Sunday, but uh, with Joy of Jesus, which is what I want to talk about, um, a lot of dust out there, but we had a really, really good time, so please bear with me on The Voice today. Hey, I want to thank um, the, the many listeners who came out um, and visited at Joy of Jesus. I got to meet a bunch of you, and um, and some of you came ready to work, and bless your hearts. Um, you could tell that we needed. There was a lot of people out there, and it really, really was a great day. I also want to thank uh, uh, the general manager at KSLR, Chad Gamage. He came out uh, and and visited, and we showed him around the park and explained all the things that we were doing. But we really had a great day. Mostly, I want to thank all of you who prayed. We asked for constant prayer uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. And we know you were praying, and we really, really had a great time. It's interesting, and if you don't mind, I'll spend just a couple of minutes. We'll wait uh, any phone calls that come in. Um, oh, we have a phone call already. Okay, well, let me do that, and then I'll get back to this. I don't want to keep people waiting on the phone. Here is our caller. It is Victor, Victor on line one. Victor, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Uh, good afternoon, Pastor Ron. Hi, Victor. Hey, I just wanted to ask you. Um, I don't have I don't have my Bible in front of me, but uh, uh, on uh, at 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 the, at the second coming, uh, right there. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It's like, I think it's uh, verse nine and twelve. I mean, twelve, eleven, and twelve of a. I don't remember where I have it. I think it's in the Book of Daniel, and it talks about the twelve hundred and ninety days. But then if you hang on to 1,335, about 45 days, I was listening to uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Dwight Pentecost, and he was mentioned that he believes that that's going to be uh, when uh, all these the saints are coming with the Lord, and it's going to, as opposed to what uh, a lot of the modern the modern day teachers are saying, that that's satellites is going to show that uh, the second coming, but that's going to take time 
I don't know if you agree with that. Um, I take this course, uh, these courses uh, online. It's audio recording, so I'm sure it's dated back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't know if you if, if you have uh, if, if you, what's your interpretation of that. If you agree with that, or do you think that uh, there will be uh, still satellites uh, functioning uh, that late in the tribulation that uh, people will be able to see. Uh, about you know the, the the second coming. Yeah, thank you, Victor. I, I've I've got some strong opinions now. Let me just say I am really really hesitant to disagree with Doctor Pentecost. He is so much smarter than I am, and uh, some of his uh, material. Um, I don't know where you're listening to him. I'd be interested to know that. But uh, some of his material, stuff that I've used for years and years, and uh, uh, Dwight Pentecost is one of the giants of our faith and really uh, one of the, 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 the men who were foundation of understanding a dispensational view of the second coming of the Lord. Uh, a couple of things. Um, one, we have to remember, uh, any time that we're trying to explain away uh, something that God says he's going to do. We're completely discounting the supernatural um, uh, event. Um, the second coming of Jesus, Revelation chapter 19, Daniel obviously speaks about it as well. But um, um, if, if God wants the whole world to see, he won't need satellites to do it. I also believe that because of the the enormity of the, the Great Tribulation in terms of the, the catastrophe um, any satellites that are in the sky um, are going to be ruined. They're, they're going to be rendered useless. So, um, again, we don't know how far in the future it's going to be. We don't know what kind of technology is going to be available. I believe that Jesus is coming pretty soon, so I don't think it will be a lot different than we have now. But I do not believe, um, Victor, that it's... it's um, Uh, satellite imagery, Uh, I think this is going to be a supernatural event where Jesus' return uh, will be seen by everyone. Now, let me backtrack a little bit because I think at the three-and-a-half-year mark of the Great Tribulation, as an example, when the two witnesses are finally killed uh, and the, the whole world celebrates and desecrates their bodies, and then after three days, the, the two witnesses, the breath of life comes in them again, and then they rise to life and ascend into the heaven. I think that will be seen via television. Uh, I think it will be seen um, via satellite transmission all over the world. I just don't think the same thing is true as it relates to the second coming. And um, when Jesus comes, um, and, and the host of heaven, including us, uh, will be with him, um, I, I think I think that will be supernaturally empowered to be seen by the whole world. You know, Victor, when people don't really believe in the supernatural, they'll try to explain things away. You can get a lot of people who will uh, talk about um, um, uh, the, the the Great Tribulation. They'll try to describe nuclear war. They'll try to describe. Um, um, or explain away the locusts um, as as being sort of uh, drone-like creatures, um, but but the reality is these are all supernatural judgments, and and this is the God who could stop up the Red Sea. This is the God uh, who could do all things, and I think that's what we're going to see. So very important. Um, um, don't discount the supernatural effect and empowerment of Jesus' second coming. And I, I, with all of my heart, I believe that the whole world will see. Thank you, Victor. Appreciate the question. Um, Dwight Pentecost, just for you out there, um, Things to Come uh, is is uh, his work that I'm most familiar with. Um, but uh, he's worth reading. Um, he's with Jesus now, of course, but uh, believe me, he is really worth reading, and the faith uh, and the insight of the man was enormous. So, uh, Dwight J. Pentecost, things to come. Thank you, Victor. I've thought about Dr. Pentecost for quite some time. Great question. Let me get back to George Jesus while we, if anybody else is going to call. Um, um, 
we we the, the homeless population uh, that we were serving out there has changed a lot now uh, by way of explanation we we this was our 24th um joy of jesus we did one every year until uh, 2020 when covid hit and of course 2021 when um the city was still reeling from uh covid restrictions and they wouldn't permit us to do it uh so we missed two years and we really didn't know what to expect um you know the homeless population uh, always knew that we'd be there they knew what day we would be there uh they actually policed themselves we needed very little security um, and, and it was just a, a, a great outreach. Well, this year, because of the two years off and um, uh, the changing homeless population, we didn't know what to expect. And honestly, the the numbers, just the sheer numbers of homeless was down significantly, down more than half. Uh, and, um, uh, and yet there's still plenty, and we had a lot show up, and we got to do all the things that we were doing for them. Um, but... Um, boy, we can pray for the homeless population. I was told by um, um, a man who works down there in the homeless population that that there were over a hundred uh, women homeless um, regulars in San Antonio who died during the COVID time. COVID hit them especially hard. Uh, I was told by the same source that uh, a bunch of the homeless here in San Antonio have made their way to Austin. I guess the environment uh, in Austin is a little more uh, friendly uh, to to the homeless population. And so they went there. Um, we saw very few familiar faces. We saw very few familiar faces. Uh, every year, you know, you get to know people and look forward to seeing them. And uh, what we saw was mostly new faces. We also um, uh, saw that the the average age was significantly higher uh, for the population than it has been in the past. Uh, in the past few years, uh, the last few years of, of our Joy of Jesus events, um, the, the the number of young homeless was stunning, just stunning. And, uh, and they were missing this time. Uh, and yet with all of that, it was so wonderful to see the, the clothing ministry. Uh, the lines were all day long people shopping. Uh, we provide personal shoppers and they take them around and, and, and get them the clothing they need by size and style. Uh, we gave away so many coats and so many blankets. Winter is coming and um, um, we love to be able to help. Um, uh, sleeping bags, backpacks, those kinds of things. Uh, I spend time, I, I like to, to hang around the haircutting place. Um, there was just the, the line from an hour before we actually started. The line in the haircut place never went down. Uh, and at the end, we finally had to say, okay, this will be the last person. Uh, but uh, it's just, just an amazing ministry. Uh, we had a brand new ministry we've never done before, dog grooming. And I don't know whether it was just my imagination or we saw more dogs in the park this year than ever. And we got a chance to do some dog grooming, clip nails. Um, um, and and it just just really a good day. Our full medical staff was out there. And um, uh, we had uh, uh, opportunity to minister to their medical needs, uh, which we do every year out there. Uh, we had a group of people, uh, masseuses and masseurs. We, we, we gave massages, um, just so much. The food, of course, was out there. Um, the bicycles we gave away. I don't know. We must have given away 50 bicycles. Uh, and it was just neat to watch them. I got to talk to some of the people right after they won a bicycle, and they were just beside themselves. And I got to tell you, and this is just the pastor bragging, not in not bragging about the, the event itself so much, but just in the work that God has done. I was like the proudest pastor in the whole world on Saturday, just watching the people. Uh, we had over 900 of our people. Um, I mean, think about it. We're we're not a mega church. And yet, uh, two-thirds of our church uh, was out there at the park. And they were serving, and they were excited. And it was particularly fun to watch uh, the people who have come to our church in the last couple of years who've never been to a Joy of Jesus. They, they've never seen anything like this. And it was an amazing thing to watch. So, uh, again, thank you all for your prayers. Uh, we have already booked the park for uh, next year. And um, um, we can't wait 
for the opportunity to serve again. God bless you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, let's go to Ruben on line one. Ruben, thank you for calling. You're on the air. God bless you, Pastor Ron. Boy, that sure uh, sounded great. I wish I, I was, I would have been able to make it out there on Saturday to meet you and just uh, visit with everybody out there. Yeah, that would have been great, Ruben. Yeah, that would have. That would have. Uh, I have a few people um, that I told to t- tune in today um, uh, who are Christian, and I don't want to hurt their feelings, but. Uh, they're participating in uh, Dia de los Muertos. Mm. And I told them that that was not uh, proper of them to do. And they wanted to know why. They're saying that they're just honoring the dead and their loved ones and whatnot. And I just told them, well, you know, that's, that's uh, to me, that's that's a gateway to, you know, to hell, you know, you're old, you're inviting these spirits to come out, you know, and um, once someone dies, you know, they're they're dead. They don't mm-hmm. come back at all. Um, so I was wondering if if you had if you had your thoughts. I don't want to put you on the spot. No, that's okay. Um, um, but I just wanted to, you know, see if you could, you know, tell them more in detail why, you know, it's not uh, something that a Christian should take part of. Yeah, I can do that, Ruben. Thank you very much for the call. And and see, I know Ruben's heart. He he just, he wants people to know Jesus. And um, professing Christians, and I'm using that term intentionally, professing Christians um, often get carried away with, with things of this world and don't really understand why God prohibits something. The, 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 let me just overall the, the reason that that uh, Dia de los Muertos is is forbidden by God is because uh, consulting familiar spirits, according to the Bible, is an abomination to God. And anything that is an abomination to God ought then to be an abomination to us as well. Um, um, the idea that a Christian uh, could 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 think they're honoring the dead by consulting those familiar spirits um, is foreign to the Word of God, and it demonstrates just how biblically illiterate uh, much of the the professing Christian church really is. Now, uh, probably Reuben, most of these people are Catholics. Um, Catholics are not Christians unless they are born again individually. Jesus is the one who told the most religious men in Israel, you must be born again. So being a Catholic, going to Mass, uh, going to confession, um, um, uh, praying the rosary, none of those things save you. Being baptized as an infant, none of that makes you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is an encounter with Jesus Christ personally. It's it's a one-on-one encounter where he offers you forgiveness of your sins. He offers to give you his righteousness in exchange for your confession of sin. But then we meet him and things change. We begin to change. And so anybody who, who is truly born again, the Spirit of God lives in them. Uh, they simply could not, uh, in, in good conscience, uh, celebrate Dia de los Muertos. It, it's an abomination to God. Not only is it a gateway to um, the spirit realm, the, the spirit realm that you you don't want to mess with. Um, again, if God hates something, then we need to hate it as well. So it's just not something. I understand the Mexican culture that we live in. Uh, I understand uh, that it is uh, ingrained in, in that culture. Um, but the reality is uh, it is one of those things that we need to um, divest ourselves of having become born again in Jesus Christ. So it's really important. And Reuben, you keep telling people, you keep telling them in love. Um, but when people start saying, well, why? What's wrong with it? Well, God says not to do it. That's the only reason a real Christian should need. Now, I understand that in many cases, we've got people just going to cemeteries and they are talking to their dead loved ones. Uh, they're they're leaving flowers, uh, decorating things. Uh, here's what you need to understand. When somebody dies, it's over. The choices have been made. And they only live, they can only be honored if they're born-again believers. 
and people hate it when I say this, but I'll say it anyway, only born-again Christians are going to be in heaven, period. You must be born again. Jesus is the one who said that. So, Reuben, thanks for the call, and thanks for your concern for the people that uh, that you know. Here's a question from our mobile app. This is anonymous. Is using birth control pills a sin? What if one spouse wants to use it, but the other doesn't? Uh, no, using birth control pills or other forms of birth control is not a sin. Again, I realize that we live in a very Catholic culture, and um, um, traditional Catholic church teaching is that birth control is a sin. It's not. Um, um, if, if you want to use birth control uh, and that's okay with your heart before the Lord, then there's no problem for doing it. Now, the bigger problem, Anonymous, is the question you ask, what if one spouse wants to use it but the other doesn't? These are things that husbands and wife need to be in agreement on. Period. And the way you do that is to seek the Lord together. You pray together. You open the Bible together. And it's not a negotiation. It's not like you do uh, what you want or I'll do what I want. A husband and a wife have to walk in agreement. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they agree to do so? And in this particular case, these are the kind of issues that husbands and wife need to be exactly on the same page. Now, I, I won't go into a lot of detail but the Bible covers all of these things. So here's what I would do if if, uh, if Paul and I disagreed on, on an issue like this. Uh, the, the way we would resolve it is simply say, let's find out what God wants us to do and do that. If it's a husband, for example, who says, uh, I want you to use birth control, um, then then your answer is simple. Ephesians chapter uh, 5 says, Husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her. In other words, putting her needs, her desires ahead of your own. We're also told in Ephesians 5 verse 21 that we're to submit to one another out of fear of God. So these are the issues that can be resolved, but they're not going to be resolved, well, well, this is what I want, or this is what I want, or even this is my opinion. They're going to be resolved in prayer with the Holy Spirit very, very simply. Do what God wants you to do, but it is not sin. So if one spouse wants to use it, great. If the other doesn't, that's great. But whatever choice you make, it needs to be done in agreement. And when I get questions like this, it's just very clear to me that husbands and wives are not reading the word together and they're not in prayer together. So I hope that answers your question. We've only got three, four minutes left in this half of the program. Here is a question from John. Uh, He says, Hi, Pastor Ron, am I correct from reading Job 2, verses 1 and 2, that God has put limits on what Satan can do? Also, is this presenting himself before the Lord unique to Job, or do we read of this in other books? If it's unique to Job, should we infer that this was a one-time summons? Um, um, Job says, on another day, the sons of God, that's always a reference to angels, uh, both fallen and, and, and unfallen. They came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. Where have you come from, said the Lord to Satan? Um, John, um, God clearly has put limits on what Satan can do. Um, um, why Satan has access to the throne of heaven, I don't understand. Um, God didn't ask me my opinion, but clearly the devil has access to the throne of heaven. We also know that the devil is a servant of God and he can only do what God allows him to do. I also don't think that the the Lord and Satan are talking about you know people like you and me that often. But in Job's particular case, uh Satan was trying to destroy him and God was demonstrating that no this is a man who's righteous and who loves me and all is going to be well. So uh yes, presenting. Now you ask if it's unique to Job. Um, It's the only time in the Bible that we're told expressly that this happened in the councils of heaven or in the throne room of God. However, we also know from 2 Corinthians that Paul um, was afflicted by his thorn in the flesh. It was a messenger of Satan or from Satan. 
um, that uh, was causing him a great deal of pain. And and we also know that that messenger of Satan had to have the Lord's permission, and there were restrictions or limits on the kind of attack that could be done. Paul asked three times for uh, the thorn in the flesh to be uh, healed, and three times the Lord said no, and he said, my grace is sufficient. So we know that Satan um, attacks the messengers of God sometimes, but they have to do it with God's permission. Apart from God's permission, the devil can't touch you. You know, I, I tell our church all the time, he can huff and puff and threaten to blow yourself down, and he can make you very afraid, but he can't physically touch you or harm you without that grace of God being there to to protect you. Very important question. So, John, thank you for that. Again, one of these days when I'm with the Lord, I'm going to say, why did you let Satan into your throne room and God's going to smile at me and say, I have my reasons. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the program, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. This is the Word to Stand Up for Life. I'll be back in two minutes. back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our Monday show. We'd love your calls. 210-340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Here is a question Uh, This one from Susan from our email inbox. And she says, I was listening to a prominent teacher recently when I heard him say Jesus' family was Palestinian. Is this because of geographical location at that time? My research is showing Nazareth located in Galilee. Would you please clarify? I'm not sure where Palestine, Palestine actually is. This is one of the most difficult questions to answer, uh, honestly, because the, the reality is that that nobody agrees with what Palestine is. Um, um, I can go back to, uh, and there's two points of view. I'm going to give you both. There's the, the Jewish perspective. Um, the, the, the origins of the word Palestine have been debated for years, and I'm reading this. Uh, and are still not known for sure. The name is believed to be derived from the Egyptian and Hebrew word Peleshet, uh, roughly translated to mean rolling or migratory. The term was used to describe the inhabitants of the land of the north, northeast of Egypt, the Philistines. Now, this is important because those who claim to be Palestinians now um, deny any connection to the Philistines. And that's simply not true. The Philistines were uh, people from around the Aegean Sea area. Um, They were far more closely related to Greeks, and they had no connection uh, at all uh, with with, uh, Arabia at the time. Um, So, um, you know, the, the land, of course, is now Israel and Gaza. Um, and, and the idea is um, there, there's no real people that have roots that can be called Palestinians. They're, they're travelers. They're, they've gone from place to place. And literally, the Palestinians have been uh, chased out of every Arab nation in the world, um, most recently before coming into Israel in, in what was hailed as a two-state solution. Um, they, they, were, um, they were removed from Jordan. And Jordan's pretty easy to get along with. So these are just wanderers. And um, so the the Palestinians, just one second. I'm, I'm sorry, my, my voice uh, gave away again. Um, uh, the Palestinians uh, are just people that have been looking for a home forever um, and... Uh, that's that's why the, the 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 problem. Let me say this, and then I'm going to give you the the, the um, Arab or Palestinian side. 
uh, Abbas most um, specifically, um, you can't give away land that belongs to God. And that's the problem. That's why there will never be peace. Not just the Palestinians, but all Arab peoples want Israel to be wiped off the face of the map. It's 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 That's no secret. And uh, that's why nations have come together to try to negotiate um, a, a peace treaty that would accommodate not only the Palestinians, uh, but Israel as well. And the problem, what they're forgetting, is that God is the one who owns the land. He gave it to Israel. And they have no right to negotiate it away, nor does the United States, twisting their arm, have any right to do it as well. So what we've got is we've got these two people living together in land that God says belongs to Israel, uh, the West Bank, um, uh, Gaza Strip, the, the uh, Bethlehem, um, now is in Palestinian-controlled territory. And the reality is that that's never, ever going to work. So there's no two-state solution that's ever going to bring peace. Now, um, the question was Jesus, um, uh, a Palestinian. Um, you know, uh, Abbas um, um, believed that Jesus, because he was born in Bethlehem, was Palestinian. Uh, Israelis, of course, um, completely reject that. Um, um, and, and so figuring out who Jesus was or where he was from depends on how you categorize um, the identity of the people there. Uh, Palestinians would look at anyone who was born uh, or whose ancestors were born in those geographic areas between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. They conclude that they're Palestinian. That land belongs to them. Um, we know, reading our Bibles, that that's simply not true. So um, th that's the best I can do um, because listening to our media, you would uh, you would get the, the the idea that the Palestinians were the original inhabitants of the land. That's simply not true. Thank you very very much for the question, Susan. Uh, but as I said, it is a difficult one to explain. Here is our next question. This one comes from. Nacho from our mobile app. Please forgive me for that moment of silence. It wasn't silent behind the mic. Pastor Ron, in your sermon yesterday about the empty tomb, I had fun with that sermon, by the way, um, I have a question about the angels that spoke to the women. Could they be the same two angels that accompanied Jesus when he met up with Abraham in Genesis 18? I know that there are sometimes called the destroying angels. Those in Genesis 18 were the destroying angels. Uh, I know that they're sometimes called destroying angels, and I know that doesn't seem to be the same role to play at Jesus' resurrection. seems to me that it might be Gabriel who was the one who spoke to the woman. Either way, I was curious. I'm, I'm positive not sure it wasn't Gabriel. Every time he's mentioned, he has such a prominent role. He and Michael both. And, and angels, um, you, you know, I'm not calling myself an angel here, but I think I'm a lot like an angel because they have one job. Michael's job is to be Israel's protector, Israel's prince. Uh, Gabriel's job is to be the herald of Jesus. So it's like they never get tired of doing that job. They can do the same thing day in, day out, forever and ever and ever. And because what they do is bringing glory to the Lord and the privilege they have of serving the Lord, uh, they're fine with it. And I'm like that as well. I, I, if, if things never change, I'd be okay. I'm also um, probably 99.9% .9 sure that these weren't the angels, the destroying angels from Genesis 18. Uh, there are different levels and different power uh, levels of angels and again, because it seems like they stay in that in their lane, um, these would be angels who are simply sent to um, ask the question, "Why are you looking for the living among the dead?" And and that they were described as two young men when Gabriel shows up, or when Michael shows up uh, earlier, when these destroying angels, now the destroying angels of Genesis 18 appeared human in form to the people in Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, but whenever Michael or Gabriel shows up, um, it, 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 there's terror be, because of their how awesome they are in appearance. 
Uh, these are just angels, messengers of God. That's what the word angel means, a messenger. And they were just messengers sent by the Lord at that moment for that particular time. Think about that for just a moment. Imagine if you're one of those angels and you're waiting to be called out of heaven's bullpen to get into the game. And suddenly you hear your name called. And you stand before the throne and you're told to go to Jesus' tomb. Remove that stone and have an open house. That's exactly what they did yesterday. So that was... that was. Um, um, that's the best I can do with that, Nacho. Thank you very, very much. Um, I, I, I love the study yesterday. We are in our, th- th- this coming Sunday will be our last study in the Gospel of Mark. I don't know how long we've been in the Gospel of Mark, but it's been a year, been a, year a little over a year. And um, uh, our last study, uh, and, uh, you know, Genesis, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 16 uh, is is just wonderful to teach and I had a really really good time with the study yesterday it was really fun because our place was um, um, packed with people wearing orange George Jesus t-shirts and people were having a great time talking about what God did and uh, so fun, fun day fun message yesterday thank you very very much here is our next question it is from No, not that one. Anonymous from our email inbox. Uh, Hi, Pastor Ron. Some teach that that the Ezekiel War and Armageddon are the same war. Do you believe that? And if not, why not? Thank you and God bless you. Uh, Anonymous, they can't be the same war. Um, The Ezekiel War, uh, chapters uh, 37 through 39... Uh, that, that's 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 really not even a war. It's a wipeout. Um, this is when um, Israel is attacked, and um, um, they they want to be they want to wipe Israel off the face of the map. And God supernaturally delivers them, and, and that's that's um, that's Ezekiel war. Um, uh, usually, the, the the argument or the question is, well, does that happen before the rapture or after the rapture? And, and there's differences of opinion on that. I personally believe that happens after the rapture. I think it will happen pretty soon uh, after the rapture. Uh, but it's completely different. The Armageddon War, of course, in the Valley of Megiddo is at the very end of the Great Tribulation. And, of course, Revelation chapter 19 is that chapter. And that is the, the war that ends everything. That is the closing where Jesus destroys his enemies with the word. Jesus created all things with the word. Let there be light, and there was. And at the end, and again, we'll be with Jesus. Um, he will destroy all of his enemies with a word. Good question. By the way, that reminds me something Victor asked earlier in the program uh, about the differences between the 1290 days and 1335 days. Um, uh, and I'm not sure what Pentecost's position on this is, Victor, if you're still listening. Um, but I personally believe that those uh, the, the 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 difference between those two days is simply the time that it's going to take for the wedding supper of the lamb to clean up the earth when all the bodies uh, they're going to gorge themselves on all of the carcasses of the people that were destroyed and uh, and that's the time Jesus will be setting up his kingdom and the earth will be being cleansed to usher in the um the millennial reign uh, you know, we we know that there's uh, Charles is now going to be the king of England, and he's the king right now. But his his um, um, ceremony is not going to take place for a while. Um, same with Jesus. The the, wor- the world will need to be cleaned up a lot after the Great Tribulation, and uh, then Jesus will have a wonderful coronation uh, that literally all the world will be there to see. Good question. Thanks very very much. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Here is somebody who was offended by me, anonymous. Uh, I was offended by your recent study on people who shouldn't eat if they don't work. I have ADHD and things aren't so cut and dry. I'm a Christian, but you are being insensitive. Now, I, I've got a lot I can say about this. Um, I didn't say that if they don't work, they shouldn't eat. I just read the Bible. 
Work matters. Being lazy, spiritual laziness, is something that I was talking about throughout that in context, throughout the entire Bible study. And it's Paul who says, if a man won't work, he won't eat. And ADHD notwithstanding, um, there are jobs that you can get. The Holy Spirit living in you is greater than your illness. You know, when I was in Bible college, there was a a young man that I, I became quite close to. And it used to drive me crazy because he was uh, always getting up and getting down. I was sharing, I mean, we're in lectures. We're, we're, we're there to learn. And he's getting up and he's getting down and he's going to get food and all those things. And I said, you've got to be still. Pay attention. This is we're here to study. And he looked at me and says, well, you're being mean to me. I have ADHD. And I said, you also have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. And this is what we need to understand. There aren't excuses for not working. Now, again, I realize there are people that can't work physically. Um, but the reality is, and it's no different than 2,000 years ago, people don't work because they don't want to work. There are people who are lazy. And you have a condition that makes working more difficult, and I appreciate that. However, the Holy Spirit living in you, will enable you to work at a job that will honor the Lord. doesn't matter how much you make it, but, but work is a good thing. It is an honorable thing. And when we have idle time, when we are not working, then we're certainly not honoring God with our lives. And we're doing things that, whether it's video games or, 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 or whatever it is you might do, um, we have to remember that we're not honoring the Lord in a lifestyle of idleness. We're just not. The devil is always looking for people that are idle. They're like sitting ducks for him, and he's going to go destroy them. Um, I was as clear as I could possibly be in that study uh, about um, um, being sensitive, but I also, as a Bible teacher, can't minimize what the Bible says. So it's really important. You know, we have this conversation with all kinds of things. And I'll use Paula as an example. Bless her heart. Um, um, When she was going through uh, menopause and the change of life. I mean, Paula was having hot flashes that if I was anywhere close to her, I'd break out in a sweat. They were so bad. And uh, I know how difficult it is for women especially who are going through the change of life and their hormones are flaring and and uh, and you know um, it, it emotionally and physically and every other way and i remember paula sitting down with me one day and she just we we were praying and and she just said you know what i don't want to let me going through the change of life i don't want that to dishonor the lord and she just prayed for the power of the Holy Spirit. And she, she, she was like a champion in dealing with that. And I think too many of us, we buy the excuses of the world, PTSD. Uh, we live in a military community. We've got a lot of people who suffer from PTSD. But they've also got families that depend on them. And that's why taking a step in the power of God, in the will of God, will solve those issues. They still have PTSD, but they're able to live productive lives that honor the Lord. And it's just not okay in this world that we live in. It's just not okay to be idle. It's simply not. And if you are, probably the reason you're offended is because the enemy is working overtime on you. So things are pretty cut and dry. You still have the same responsibilities. And God's power is enough, it's sufficient, his grace every day is sufficient, or it's not. And Anonymous, our Bible says that it is, and that's why I would ask you to consider prayerfully. There was never any intent to offend, and uh, I was extra sensitive, and I usually am extra sensitive uh, when I have to deal with issues like that. Timothy asks this, what do you mean when you say that chapter and verse divisions are not inspired? How do they shape the way we interpret the Bible? Um, Timothy, there's a lot of things here. uh, um, Chapter and verse, there's some of the worst chapter and verse divisions ever 
in, in the Bible. And I always point them out to our church uh, when we come. If something clearly belongs to the last verse or clearly belongs to the last chapter, um, you know, I want our people to be able to understand in context what the author is saying. And um, sometimes they just missed it. Um, chapter and verse divisions uh, were not inspired by God. They were um, created, and I'm glad they were, by men. Um, the Archbishop Duke of Canterbury was the the uh, the, the, the the impetus behind um, the chapter and verse divisions in the New Testament. You go back to the Old Testament; they go back to the 15th century. Um, but the idea here is that we want to be able to find things. And that's the only way to find them in a work that's so big. But they're not inspired. Now, how do they shape the way we, the, the way we interpret the Bible? I think when you see a, a Bible, when you have a Bible, whether it's a King James or New King James, and they're not written uh, in, in manuscript form. For instance, if you're looking at the NIV, it's written in manuscript form and like we would read a letter. And so it keeps the argument in context. I think sometimes when we... Um, um, read um, where the verses are all one after another. We have a tendency in our mind to sort of, of isolate those verses. And we, we have a far greater likelihood of interpreting them out of context. And uh, I think the bad chapter uh, divisions, and, and chapter divisions more than the verse divisions, uh, those bad chapter divisions uh, make it more difficult to interpret the Bible in context. So, Timothy, that's what I mean. Uh, it doesn't in any way diminish our Bibles in the sense that um, we can't depend on them. Uh, it just requires a little bit more work, I think, in order to uh, be able to uh, um, accurately determine the meaning of a particular passage of Scripture. Rodney asks this question, Pastor Ron, in Acts 19, Paul meets some believers who don't have the Holy Spirit. How is that possible since they were believers? Rodney, here's what happens. Everybody who looks at that Acts 19 passage, and I get this question a lot, um, they're interpreting the word disciples as being believers in Jesus Christ. That's not the case. These disciples were disciples of, most likely in this case, John the Baptist, you know, John, um, although he'd been dead a long time at this point, uh, there were always uh, Judaizers, people that followed him, and and um, um, and they followed his teaching. Uh, we know that uh, um, um, James and John, for example, uh, the sons of thunder, were were disciples of John the Baptist. Certainly, they didn't become believers until they met Jesus. Well, in Ephesus, in Acts chapter nineteen, Paul met some people. Uh, like Apollos. Now, Apollos was a little before this, but Apollos uh, was waiting for the kingdom to come. He didn't know that the kingdom had come, and so Ananias and Sapphira, not, I'm sorry, not Ananias and Sapphira, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Um, I think of couples, and those two immediately come, and usually in the wrong order. Um, but um, they, they, uh, they, they listened to his message, and they brought him home, gave him a meal, and explained the way of God more fully to them. And that's when they got saved. And Apollos, of course, became a giant of a figure in the first century church. Uh, in, in Ephesus, where Paul met these disciples, remember that doesn't mean believers. The word disciple means students or followers of a particular rabbi or a particular um, teacher of some sort. In this case... Um, Paul said, well, and Paul noticed something was wrong. Something is missing. And he said, well, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And they said, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. They weren't believers in Jesus Christ because they hadn't heard yet. And so Paul would have explained to them at that point exactly what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ and to receive the Holy Spirit in power, the seal a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. But they weren't Christians yet. They were followers of another teacher, in this case, uh, John the Baptist, and and um, probably second or third generation followers of John the Baptist. But the reality is that they became believers instantly, and instantly they were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Um, so we have to read carefully that they were disciples does not mean they were Christians in a commonly understood New Testament sense. Thank you, Rodney. I hope that makes sense to you. And we see that happen several times in the book of Acts. And by the way, for everybody out there, um, I, I said this Sunday will be our final Bible study in the Gospel of Mark. And I'm going to be going directly into the book of Acts on Sunday. And then on Friday of this week, we're starting a new book as well on our Friday night series. Uh, we're going to be starting in the book of Philippians on Friday night. I'm going to do the first eight verses um, on our Friday night Bible study. So I, I love finishing books and starting a new book. So that's cool. I think I maybe time for one more question. Um, Danny, here's one I can answer. What Bible passages support the right of Christians to have guns? Danny, there were no guns in the Bible passages when they were written, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, we have the right um, to keep and bear arms, but that's given to us not by the Bible. That's given to us by our country, by our Constitution. So uh, remember, the, the, the Bible was written at a different time, uh, and guns weren't around um, so do you have the right to, to bear arms? Of course you do. It's a right given to us uh, by our Constitution. Don't look for it in the Bible. Generally, principally you can, but specifically you can't. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for putting up with my voice today. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you've been listening to the Word to Stand Up for Life. Lord willing, I'll be back here tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.